Hi, welcome to the Empty Hand Podcast. This is your host, Seiji Saiki. It's a difficult time right now to be a dojo instructor. So please don't forget to send a nice message to your sensei, wishing them all the best and how much you appreciate them. Also, JK Official YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this channel for more karate podcasts. So my guest today is Sensei Wilfred Siratan, a fifth dan from the Japan Karate Association and head instructor of Toronto JKA. He's an accomplished competitor, and I'm quite impressed by his skills in adaptive teaching. I'm really excited to share this conversation. Here it is. Is it recording? Okay, yeah, I think it is recording. <laughs> it says started, yeah. It, it is. It says recording. Okay. It's a bit dark. <laughs> uh, well, Sensei Wilfred, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. How have things been your dojo during this whole situation? Ah, wow. This whole situation, it's really uh, changed the way we see things and the way we, we, we act and the way we, you know, we do things. Um, as far as the dojo is concerned, it's um, <sighs> the physical dojo is shut down, but the spiritual dojo, I think, uh, shouldn't be shut down because of that. You know, not because the dojo is closed. Don't to train. Mm-hmm. Training is uh, is something we should do no matter what. You know, we at home. Personally, for me, I know training is a twenty-four hour thing. <laughs> when Definitely. I walk, I'm training. When I'm driving, I'm training. It's all part of, uh, you know, the growth and experience and, and karate. You got to get those 10,000 steps right on that Fitbit. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I noticed for you in particular is you were really quick to adapt, right? So once you heard the news, what were you thinking? So um, hearing the news, and it's, you know, it's great. But also uh, trying to have a look ahead and see where it came from and how they are adapting and how they are adapting, um, you know, for the future, for the, for the short future. And I'm thinking, well, I think we have to go to the same stage as well. So we might as well um, start adapting right now because this is going to go on for at least a year, minimum at least a year. Is that also, what you thought at the start? Like you, you thought at the start, you thought it would be a year? Yes, yes. Oh. oh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Avant-garde. Uh, and and uh, another reason is I've looked back on the history of uh, of pandemics. And uh, one of the biggest ones that we had in the brief history is about 100 years ago with the, what, what they call the Spanish flu. Yes. Mm. And it, it's almost the same thing that we have now, except um, that we didn't have the communication that was sent out you know, to the rest of the world to, to, for cautionary measures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, looking back at that, we can get a kind of a timeline on uh, what's going to look like and how it's going to, you know, uh, develop. So looking at the history of it and um, in looking forward, I developed a looking, I started looking for ideas and strategies to, 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 to work forward in a, uh, in training and keeping training and keeping everyone there as well. Um, now, another another great thing about having students from different walks of life is uh, one of my students. He is this, he's a clinical psychologist. Oh, and I had asked him on as uh, you know to come on and uh, 
to do a Zoom meeting with us and for the parents and the kids to come on and ask questions. And one of the, the key things he said was to try to keep your life as normal as possible through this whole thing. Interesting. Try to, try to keep your routines as normal as possible. If you're exercising, keep exercising. If you're training, keep training. And uh, this is what will give us a sense of normalcy and uh, completeness at the end of the day and at the end of the week. I never thought of so, it like that. That's, that's a really uh, straight-to-the-point approach to, to dealing with this type of situation. Yeah, I think, you know, having students from different walks of life and they, um, I, I mean, I know karate, I know computers, but <laughs> they know so much more. <laughs> That's an interesting thing about, you know, having an intelligent dojo, right? Where you're not just a commercialized place, like you get actual smart people from, from different mm-hmm. walks of life. It's, it's quite fascinating. And, and you know, what's, what's, what's fascinating, I find, is they are very willing to help and they, 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 they're eager to help because yes. they, they're part of the dojo and they want to see it, you know, the people in their lives there uh, succeed. So mm-hmm. they have no uh, issues with, uh, you know, coming forward, stepping forward and, uh, and doing things for the dojo. Definitely. It's, uh, it's kind of, for some people, it's a second home, right? If you, have, if you run a good dojo, it's a second home for them, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, a place where you can go and um, you, you you relax your mind, you, you you de-stress, and then you come home and you you know it's it's, <laughs> it's neutralizing to you. Yeah. yeah. So now, as far as with the, with the dojo, um, the things I've done is uh, some really important things. Well, you have to think of before, during, and after. So this this whole this same as in karate, I I, I run everything in karate. You have, uh, you know, uh, the, you have the zanshin at the end. <laughs> you, know, you have the techniques at the beginning, and then you have the movements at the during. So I use karate as a, an example to to how I develop, you know, my strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, be coming in, they have to have masks and sanitizers and so on. I have the uh, the um, the temperature hand sanitizers, the, the temperature gauges, and so on. Uh, during the class, they must wear the mask and be. And whenever they leave the floor, do the hand sanitizer because you could be touching things and touching your face all the time. But also afterwards. So what I did was I have I did some research on sanitizing, and you know we sanitize the dojo afterwards. But I, uh, there was a, a brilliant solution that many people haven't looked into as yet. And because I'm very technical, I've looked into all of these, mm-hmm. these issues. Um, using UVC germicidal lights. And uh, it's an oh. ultraviolet light, and it's a type C. There, there are different um, um, wavelengths, and the type C wavelength is a germicidal wavelength. So there are, there are bulbs out there um, that will produce... Uh, UV ultraviolet lights on a type C um, spectrum, which kills uh, viruses and bacteria and so on. Really? Now it's 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 used in hospitals um, for for sanitizing rooms and so on after patients leave. Oh. So I have uh, um, rewired some of the lights in my dojo to have permanent sockets and timer switches to accommodate these lights in the main dojo, in the washroom, and the gym below. 
So whenever we leave the floor, uh, we just set it for an hour and it sanitizes the whole place. By, by the lights, the lights in the ceiling sanitize the whole place. Yes, that's right. They sanitize the whole place. Yeah. Wow. What is this? What is this called? <laughs> it's called, <laughs> it's called UVC light, ultraviolet. UVC light. Yes, ultraviolet type C light. Now, they come in bulbs, but they also can come in um, like lamps, that like a, like a table lamp that you can buy and put there and plug in and then set it. The, the, the thing was, uh, is that once it's set, you cannot be in the room because ultraviolet light will start changing your DNA. <laughs> so oh, for your skin, and it will kill every all the bugs in the room. You know, I see. So yeah. that's why maybe a lot of places aren't using it for the fear yeah, so of, have, of those type of things happening. Yeah, you have to make sure the place is completely empty when it's being used. Wow. Um, yeah, that's pretty intense. Well, if anybody's looking for a solution, this might be for you then. <laughs> Uh, and, um, you know, I've done so much research on all of these things so that uh, if anyone wants to contact me, uh, I'm happy to provide any information free of charge yes. and, um, and tell them where to get it and so on and the best solutions um, yes. because there are a lot of fake out there. And I've, I actually have done the research. I know what the fake is. I know what the real ones are. And I have testing equipment now that will test for real and fake and intensity and, you know, so on. Yes, feel free to reach out directly if anybody's interested, definitely. Yeah. Because uh, obviously any ideas or solutions that can help create that normalcy where mm. you had all this equipment set up, like, how, what, was your, what was your setup, like your electronic setup? Um, so, I mean, you know, at the beginning it was just a, a laptop. And then once I saw that this is going to be a more permanent thing, I thought I was thinking ahead and I thought, you know, I have students who can't make it to class sometimes because of distance. So why not have a permanent solution? And even moving forward, um, you know, when this is all back to normal, at least if they can't make it to class and they can make it to the Zoom class while our regular class progress, mm -hmm. I say my, my, my philosophy is, some training is better than no training at all. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I my I have a, a 42 inch TV coming down from the, the ceiling, and it's kind of like a, this you you know the ones you would see in classrooms at university coming down from the ceiling. Yeah, and my camera is attached to the bottom of it, and my cables are running the ceiling to a computer. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's all it's set up neatly so that. When you walk in the dojo, you don't even see it until yeah. it turns on. And, oh, there's a TV in the ceiling. Yeah, the, the way you have things set up, I thought was like pretty professional. So if anybody's looking for advice on, on setting up things through Zoom, definitely reach out to Sensei Wilfred. Because I, 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 yeah. you, know, you, you hosted a seminar one time too, right? And you had I the did. whole setup and it was, everybody was on there. It was, it was pretty, pretty smooth, right, altogether. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty smooth. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 an IT. That's what I do for a living, and uh, yeah. I want to be able to produce something that represents you know what I do. Yeah. So I find the the best cables, the best cameras, the best uh, computers that will work, you know, integrate well together. Yeah. Let's talk about your karate history a little bit. So. 
how what was your um, first yeah. instance yeah i'm kind of doing like a 180 with this one <laughs> going yeah. from Dude, let's go down memory lane quickly right now sharp turn um yeah so what was how are you exposed to karate back home um so so i, I like to start by saying that uh, uh karate was always something that was in me and i don't know why or how it's something unexplained and it's something i knew i had to pursue i didn't know how but i had to pursue it and uh, for those of you people who know me uh, i grew up in trinidad in a small village in trinidad mm-hmm. there's no te- you know there was no technology and you know and so, like okay so where do i go i don't know where to go and uh, yeah. uh, i found uh, when i was uh, you know a teenager i found this place uh, um in a community center in the small town that i live there was actually a karate dojo up there in this community center and, and and i found it and i went and i was blown away by what i saw it's like going into another world i saw all these people wearing white pajamas <laughs> <laughs> it's a cult what is this japanese cult <laughs> why are they wearing white pajamas <laughs> and they all have shoes on like what well, is this this is really odd like oh. i've never been with no shoes on So um so I I sat there and I watched and and I knew it's something I wanted to get into but I was like okay these guys look so mean and powerful and 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 strong and you know funny thing after class they were all they were all um talking to each other and being really friendly and it's like the friendliest bunch of people I've ever seen mm. but during the class it's like the 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 spirit was so strong in the class it's like wow i don't know if i want to get into this because uh what's going to happen to me i mean uh, i'll be i'll be i'll be uh, beat up by the end of class yeah but you know when you have a passion for something you find a way to pursue it and uh, you know i joined the class um i didn't have a lot of money back then and the 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 instructors like well it's going to be Fifteen dollars a month, which was pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I'm working, and sometimes I didn't have uh, the money to pay for the class. And um, a few months would go by, and he wouldn't say anything at all. And then when I would work and I would have the funds, I would pay him, you know, for a year in advance, um, and make up for the whole thing. So. One of the things I really appreciate about that instructor is uh, his name was Archie Wells, Sensei Archie Wells, my Archie Wells. Uh, yeah. Sensei Psyche actually met him when he went to Trinidad with me one time. Oh, is he, is he still teaching in Trinidad right now? He still is. Nice, yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, well, we might have to do a visit one of these days. <laughs> we we'll have should. to go. Is it a, um, what's a famous uh, meal there? Is oh, it, famous meal there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Famous meal is uh um uh there's a dish called kalalu it's made with spinach and different vegetables and so on and you okay. have curry chicken stewed chicken you have the barbecue chicken uh, lots of vegetarian dishes um oh. you know <laughs> because of the different cultures there you have so many different foods and available to you definitely but going to have to do a, a caribbean trip 
yeah you're gonna have so. to do one one of these days yeah sensei uh, sensei really enjoy the food <laughs> yeah yeah sorry i kind of i kind of went off track there my bad but uh you know you were you so, were saying yeah yeah so uh you know getting into karate there um now I didn't realize it, but my dad, you know, I was forbidden to do karate because the concept of what karate is. Uh, but I used to sneak out of the house and you know go do my thing and go in the in the backyard and when it's night and train, um, go in the bushes, do my karate in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> what is that guy doing in the bushes? Huh? <laughs> Well, that's so, that's amazing. That's, that's just like when you're, when you're so passionate about something, you just, you just, you just do it. Right. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know, uh, after, um, like, uh, almost the five years of training, I didn't realize it. Um, but one, um, one of my karate mates from class, uh, black belt, he came home, he, he came to my home with a little mini trophy like this. And, he, and I said, what's, what's that for? He says, well, turns out for the last five years, you never missed a class. <laughs> oh. He says, like, not one single class. And, uh, and this is to show the appreciation. You know, the sensei wants to show his appreciation that you never missed a class. Uh, you know, I would arrive one hour early for class almost every day um, just to sweep the floor. <laughs> yeah. Sweeping the floor is a is, is an ordeal. It's a it takes a half hour with a push broom, mm-hmm. and by the time you're done, you're all warmed up. Um, wow. When I was a brown belt, I remember my sensei says he says, "Mr. Siratan," I said, "Oh, sensei," he says, "Stop sweeping the floor. <laughs> says, Give that job to the white belts now." <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I I, I find that because last year we we gave a a bag that was made from shobu, a dogi manufacturer in Japan, to the student who had the highest attendance for the year. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that your instructor back home was already thinking about these type of ideas of like. I, w- I think it's an oversimplification to say rewarding good behavior, but I mean, those are the kind of values that you want to foster in a dojo, right? Yes, yes. I mean, how much, how much of what you do today is influenced by those experiences in terms of like dojo values? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's so important, dojo values. Um, you know, I'd like to point out that um, my experience there when I started karate there um, you know, everyone's training together and everyone's training really hard and I'm trying to keep up with the class. Um, and uh, sometimes after class, some of the guys would, you know, they would talk and so on. And I realized that all of these people in the class, they're all from different walks of life. And under normal circumstances, we never would have met. Mm-hmm. You know, some were engineers, some were lawyers, some were doctors. And, but during class, we all train as one. And we all, uh, um, and that was the thing that really struck me the most that, hey, wow, like everyone's in class, everyone's so humble in the training. And uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to you know, this karate thing, yeah. we're all on the equal playing field. That's, it is, that's a very interesting point, definitely. 
Because everybody in their own right is a professional, right? Yes. Especially if you have an adult program. I mean, these these people are smart people, right? You, you're not going to convince them to do some some crazy wacko thing, right? You, your training has to be very authentic. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. It's, uh, um, you know, seeing, watching them perform, and I'm, I said to myself, wow, you know, if I ever make it to brown belt, that would be a huge, huge thing for me, just to make the brown belt, because these brown belts are like killers. Yeah. And if I could make it there, wow, that would be a huge accomplishment for me. Just to make it brown belt. Yeah. Well, I, we can go down this huge rabbit hole, but I think that <laughs> the definition of a black belt's probably changed significantly. Um, I think in the last 10 years, it, it, it mm-hmm. it's, I mean, yeah, that's, it's nothing positive about that discussion, right? But, but the karate back home in Trinidad, how much of it was influenced by JKA karate? Or were, was there an instructor that came down? Or, or like, where did your instructor get his, his training? Yes. So this was uh, uh, actually, that's a very interesting question because uh, I didn't, you know, I've done, I had done so much research and reading about karate and I went. I read all the books in the library about karate and martial arts, which there was only a small <laughs> section in martial arts in the library. <laughs> uh, but I would buy these magazines, these black belt magazines, and read about the different styles and kung fu and karate and stuff. And I realized that, uh, hey, you know what I'm doing here? This karate I'm doing has a, a rich history with uh, with connection to 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 exceptional karate masters in in, in the past. And uh, even, you know, the structure of it is, uh, is, is really, uh, uh, important to, um, learning and to, uh, to aspiring to become more than, than what, what, what it is that we see. So, um, and I, you know, doing more research into it, I realized that, um, we are part of a huge international, uh, karate organization called the Japan Karate Association, the JKA. And um, I felt, suddenly I felt, wow, okay. So I'm living in a tiny island in a small village, and I have a connection to this huge organization that's uh, giving some of the best uh, uh, karate instructions in the world. How mm. lucky is that? It's like, uh, you know, it's like finding... Uh, um, for me, it was like finding a, a magic lantern and loving it. Wow! And being amazed to what I what what I saw come out of that. Um, instructors that visited uh, Nakayama Sensei, um, who passed away in '87. Uh, I I started in '83, uh, mm-hmm. and Nakayama Sensei um, he actually made the trips to almost all the Caribbean islands. That had the watch JKA, and if you would, you know, land and do greetings and meet people and and be very social, and I had the opportunity to train with him. Uh, I did my green belt greeting with him, and uh, my brown belt greeting with him. And whenever he would visit, everyone was like, "That's that's the master over there. That's the master over there. Uh-huh. That's the master sensei, he's the <laughs> headmaster, you know." And and I saw him for the first time and I, and I like, but he's such a, he's such a, he's such a small guy. 
<laughs> with a big reputation. It's like, I see him in all these books and magazines and, and that's him over there. Okay. So I have to, and so he was giving a bit of a, a lecture one day in class. Um, and so he called one of the, the biggest, strongest fighters that our organization, our, our organization had. And he was weighing like a really big guy, maybe six, six and a half feet tall and weighing maybe 250 pounds. And Nakayama Sensei is a, probably less than half his size. And he was, <laughs> he was demonstrating the uh, dynamics of uh, Sodoke outside middle block. And so he had, he did a Sodoke in a, in a small front steps and he had the uh, other black belt come up and, and do the same Sodoke and try to push his arm as hard as he could. And Nakayama Sensei just stood there and I'm like, he didn't budge. He didn't budge. He just stood there. And the guy pushed his heart. The guy was as twice his size and he couldn't even wow. do his Wow. And, and that impressed me a lot. That wow. uh, all these things I've been hearing about karate is real. There is these hidden <laughs> these techniques and uh, you know all these uh, um, things that people, this energy that people have. Mm -hmm. It is real. You just have to, you know, keep training and, and eventually we'll find it. Wow. That big guy wasn't a paid actor, right? No, he wasn't paid no, to no, like, no, no. <laughs> no. he was one of the, one of the meanest, toughest fighters <laughs> in, in, in the group. And, you know, that's why Nakayama Sensei called on him because if he can show that the biggest, toughest guy can't even budge him, you know, yeah. means there's so much for us to learn. That's a huge, deal um to have been a part of doing your exams with nakayama sensei because i think some people may not realize that the karate that we do right now is actually closer to nakayama sensei's style of karate than funakoshi sensei right so yes. we can we can argue that actually we do nakayama's karate and and you know, in Shotokan, we have so many different traditional organizations and Nakayama Sensei was the one that, that was the binding factor, right? And it, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but I think he was the binding factor. And then when he passed away, that's when things started really breaking into different, different organizations. And it's, it's, that's how prominent he was, right? Mm -hmm. That's uh, yes. It, uh, we 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 felt ripple effect in 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 the islands. It that definitely. So what you're saying, you know, uh, ripple effect. Uh, uh, it really hit us hard. Yeah, islands. I. It's really fascinating that he would be traveling around to each location like that. Because has mm -hmm. there been someone doing that recently? I mean, it's, um, you don't really, no. not from the headquarter, right, per se, right? I mean, it's, no. mm. That was the thing I really admire. I mean, I, I didn't realize it back then, but, uh, you know, looking back, I realized that he didn't have to do this. But um, one of the things I admire about it is that it's like having uh, children and um, it's, you know, hiring someone to take care of them permanently or, hey, you want to uh, uh, go and take care of your kids and make sure they're doing well and 
and yeah. and being raised raised well um, the way you want them to be raised. Um, and I look at this as that in that he he wanted to see firsthand and he wanted to make sure firsthand that uh, yeah. you know that we got a, a good start. Yeah. So Tremendous respect for that, for Nakayama Sensei to do that. Just to, because it, you said it perfectly. I mean, I'm going to butcher it by adding more to it, but for him to yeah. go out and to, to see each dojo, how they're doing, and, and it just shows that he really cared about, um, the JKA karate outside of Japan, right? He really mm-hmm. cared about what was going on outside of Japan. And yeah, I'm going to just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know let's go let's go island hopping we should do that <laughs> let's go island hopping <laughs> but if someone tries to move uh, my arm I, i'm not gonna stay in place i'll tell you that yeah. <laughs> if, if you're 250 pound guy i'm gonna be flying away <laughs> so it probably won't have the same effect if we go but uh, well you never know i you get inspired by by so many different people Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for me, I I didn't get inspired by like world champions or anything. You know, like you, you get inspired by anybody, really. Um, now, another inspiring story is now I I, I didn't uh, personally uh, experience it because it happened a couple of years before I started karate. Was that I didn't realize that Tanaka Sensei in uh, the in the early eighties came to Trinidad. For two weeks, oh. two weeks to wow. teach and to train, to teach and train, and and uh, he wanted to uh, you know bring up the the level of uh, karate there. So um, the, the guys who who went to his training, you know, everyone's excited. Tanaka Sensei, Tanaka Sensei, this big, you know. Yeah, he was the global star at that time for sure. Yeah, yeah. And why is he going to this little island in the Caribbean? You know, for two weeks. So the first day. You know, um, I hear the story about uh, the training. Um, you know, the black belts came to class and, and uh, they saw this, you know, this Japanese guy over there, really cool. And and uh, he lined everyone up and he says, okay, kumite. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't, if you know Tanaka-san, he doesn't demand respect. You see him move, and you just have respect for him, you know. Yeah. And he lined them up, and one by one, he beat the daylights out of them, just to put it bluntly, of everyone. And they were all bigger than him, really big guys. And um, for the next day, only half of them showed up. And he said, okay, line up. <laughs> they all were like, okay, was he going to beat us again? <laughs> oh. So he did kumite again, and um, the next day only a quarter of them showed up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and by by the end of the few days, you know, when only a handful of them started showing up, he says, "Okay, time to learn." So he was kind of doing like a filtering out process. That's so right. those who really wanted to learn would stick around after yes. the the hard sparring. Yes. Yes, wow. that's right. Yeah. Damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, he had he when he would go to come to Canada, he really did care about 
about the quality of the instruction, right? And he would get upset if people were not. Like, is there any? Is there one in, story in particular that you remember when from a seminar he did in Canada with Tanaka Sensei? I remember stories with him because uh, you know uh, being inspired. He's one of you know uh, I've been inspired by him for so long, and then seeing him and then being taught by him, I'm like, oh my gosh, the light bulb went off. I've been doing this for so much, so long, and didn't make sense until he explained it the way he did. And um, um, <laughs> I, I think uh, one really inspiring thing, one time we were training uh, at the Ottawa Dojo, the headquarters in Ottawa Dojo, and um, it, was, it was a lot of people, and it was raining, and it was summertime. So um, uh, the floor quickly became moist and slippery yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and he said he said uh, okay um let's clean the floor so <laughs> yeah so so all, all, all the the you know with the people who know that said we all run and you grab the the rags and dip it in the bucket and rang it off and then hit the floor and started running forward and backward up and down the floor and he looked and he says why are all the senior belts cleaning the floor? Oh. And the lower belt are just watching. Oh. He said, this is not the way. This is not karate. He says, okay, line up. <laughs> oh, shakes. <laughs> okay, now lie on the floor <laughs> and pull yourself across the floor and clean it with your gi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so there was wave after wave after wave of uh, of uh, you know uh, students lying on the floor and pulling across and you know uh, um, cleaning the floor with their uniform um, because one of the things that he believes strongly in is is etiquette and, and um, uh, values in karate and those things for him comes first you know sit properly back straight you know uh, bow properly you know, these things are um, really really important you know Tanaka Sensei when he would come uh, so that part of uh, the value of, of you know him having us clean the floor it's uh, it goes back to my earliest uh, training when I used to come in early and clean the floor mm -hmm. and many people would actually avoid cleaning the floor because they think why do I want to do this this is not for me this is yeah. a cleaning I'm not a janitor, and it's not about being a janitor. It's about being humble and wanting to learn. Mm. And if you, uh, if we are full of ourselves, we cannot learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's these lessons that are you can only learn outside of the actual training itself, right? And and mm. taking care of the dojo is. It's because you respect the dojo, right? This is the place where you you learn, and you, you want it to be clean. You want it to look nice, and and it's it's like taking care of a plant, right? You you don't want to just like splash water on it. You kind of want to take care of your plant. The dojo mm -hmm. could, is arguably the same thing, right? Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, it's 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 not just going there and training. It's uh, it's the whole part of the action of the of, of the way of the life. Yeah. The, yes. You take care of your, your dojo, your friends, your people, your sensei, you know, and 
if everyone takes care of each other for a little bit, then it yeah. makes a huge difference. So how did you go from from training in Trinidad? Like what, what made you think about coming to a cold country like Canada? Like oh, what, what was well, that about? <laughs> if you know me well, I love the cold. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, yeah. that's quite the like that's quite the transition, right? It is. <laughs> You know, I, I I found that I had an opportunity. I mean, I really didn't want to leave uh, Trinidad, but I found um, sometimes you find you have an opportunity, and if you don't take it at that moment, it will disappear. And I found that I had an opportunity where I can. Um, I had an aunt who just moved here, and she was, you know, really wanted someone to come and and, and uh, mm-hmm. be with her. Live. So. Um, I took that opportunity because I knew that, hey, um, if so many millions of people can make it, so can I. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I took that with me. In the, I mean, I, I actually arrived in the winter time, and oh my gosh, I was like, <laughs> you you heard about the cold, but experiencing it is 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 it's a totally different thing. Yeah. Uh, so that was a memorable winter for me the first winter i spent uh, here in canada wow uh, having to get different shoes and different socks and different clothes and different wow huge huge difference well yeah because you were you were living your whole life in a beautiful sunny island now you're 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 coming to (laughs) desert frost land that's (laughs) well so were you looking for a dojo once you got here like what was your mind for the karate Um, part of it well, not immediately because it's a huge transition. So I was trying to settle down and get my footing and, and so on and, and find a, you know, get a job and, and so on. And, um, but, you know, I, I was also here to help my family. So, you know, I was working and helping my family financially as well. And, and um, that was part of the you know, opportunity, but also to go to school for myself and, you know, to um, better myself in that way. But also, I knew I would have access to, um, you know, uh, uh, JKA dojos and quality, you know, really good quality instructions as well from from the Connect Canada JKA group. Mm-hmm. So um, I did look for dojo to train in, and it, um, you know, I started off with a uh, dojo that was it had connections with JKA, but wasn't the JKA dojo. Mm-hmm. But the reason I liked it there is because they had uh, really good values with uh, with karate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, what what are some of those values that? Ah, wow! So the, <laughs> yeah. put you on the spot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those values uh, I, I think very important is um, again taking care of your dojo and your dojo in turn taking care of you. Uh, those values were there. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't a very uh, um, commercialized dojo where, you know, you come to a dojo and make you a black belt. Not one of those things. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> come to a dojo, we train hard, we train together, and um, we we experience things together. Uh-huh. Uh, and you make friends, and you make friends for a lifetime. Definitely. Those well, are, I, you know, very important. I, I definitely feel that um, when it comes to friendships, if you, I feel that if you don't do anything difficult together, it's 
this how do you develop a strong friendship otherwise i mean if you go to school together if you train together if you do something challenging together you you develop a bond that let's go out partying let's go out, let's have fun let's have fun let's have fun i mean what is your friendship based off when you think about it right and i don't know yeah. that's just my my opinion but um, and 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 uh, you know when it comes down to it uh, it's when you're in trouble and um um you really need someone to to have your back uh, you know and and um suddenly you find yourself lonely and you don't have friends anymore except for the ones who were always there and they will always be there mm-hmm. uh, and they have your back and no matter what they have your back and you know that's when you really see um uh people who who um have your back and uh, they true. they your 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 true friends right yeah. when uh. when it's uh, you have some adversity in your life yeah 100% I should just let you speak because I'm. I, you you say it so clearly. I don't know how it's coming out of my mouth, but <laughs> but it's uh, well, yeah. It's you know. Uh, um, I have to just touch quickly on the adversity in life and the ob- overcoming obstacles uh, because mm-hmm. in my life, I know um, I've had quite a few. Um, one of the biggest things uh, that I had to deal with is so I started karate at seventeen and uh, you know moving towards black belt and um. When I was 21, still living in Trinidad, I had a really serious knee infection in my left knee, oh. and it was so bad that uh, I was in hospital, and they were talking about amputating my leg. Oh, That's how geez. bad it was. Oh. And whenever I think about it now, I cringe because I'm like, I couldn't bear the thought of my leg losing my leg. Um, oh, so man. yeah, being in a hospital and, um, you know. You know what got me through that? My karate. Because mm. now I started being really strong from the inside out. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to fight this really hard. And, uh, you know, I spent some time in hospital, but also I spent many, many weeks in bed. I c- couldn't walk. Um, and trying to recover from this. And uh, eventually I did recover from it. Um, and, you know, it was shortly after that I moved to Canada. So I had, I had to take a break to have my leg to recover. Um, but it was years and years of rehab trying to get my leg back in shape, you know? Um, wow. and it's, it, something like that never fully recovers. So you just have to, you know, strengthen as best as you can and, and, and do the best you can with, with your legs. Did, did you, did you know how you got the infection in the first place? I know now, but back then, um, the doctors couldn't figure it out, and it was a mystery. Um, turns out uh, that I also am plagued with the joint inf- information. <laughs> okay, okay. And it started, it started around the same time, and I've had it for about 25 years. That's it's, my joints would act up and get really, really bad, really badly inflamed. You know, sometimes I would attend tournaments, and the training, sometimes I go to Ottawa and attend trainings in Ottawa. And then one day, you know, like certain training, I wouldn't attend because it would just flare up. And I just couldn't, sometimes I was limping or, you know, it was so bad that it affected my training and performance. Um, <clears throat> was this like an arthritis, then, like a form of arthritis? Kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of like that. Um, 
And again, the doctors couldn't, they didn't have a grasp on it. All they said was, I have to stop training. <laughs> that, uh, oh. that karate thing you're doing, I think that's what's causing it. So you better stop training. And really? I thought, yeah, right. Okay. That's not going to happen. I'll find a way around it. And the third thing I had to deal with is um, um, overcome obstacles. Is uh, um, so I was born anemic. Um, I have a mild form of anemia. That's it's it's in my system. I was born with it. Mm-hmm. And it's um, the easiest way to explain it is um, my my body can only use seventy percent of the blood cells that it creates. So most people can use one hundred percent of the blood cells that it's created, uh, but my body only uses about seventy percent. Mm-hmm. So my body most of the time works at 70% capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, most people in training don't know that, so I don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It, you know, you bring up a very – I had no idea this this happened, but you, you bring a very important commonality because I've met a couple people um, who were very serious about karate and, and kept their training, and, and they had like a – like one lady had cancer, terminal cancer, and she was she was told that she would have only a couple months to live, and and she's she's still going strong. So and and they were telling her the same thing as they were telling you, like don't do karate anymore. But it's like she swears by the karate being like helping her, you know, mm-hmm. add months to her life. And and we've we've had another guy, um, senior student at our dojo who's had uh, multiple kidney transplants and 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 he's been going strong and and actually the doctors are studying him right now because of um they're curious what how like where his resilience comes from because he's he's during the covid pandemic he had uh, he was in the icu wow. for for quite a few months and and he he wants to come back to train this january <laughs> and the, the doctors are telling him don't do it but then it's like wait a minute is this what's been helping you all this time? So there, there's like something about the training. I don't know if it's the physical part. It's, it cannot be the physical part of it. There's like something that you gain mentally from it. I, I can't put my finger on it, obviously, because I'm not a doctor and I'm an idiot. So I'm not going to figure it out. But, but it's you, you know, it's, um, yeah, the, the, the karate spirit itself, if, if, if you, if you, um, feel the passion of the karate spirit um it starts from inside of you and it works itself out so if you you know use it like i use karate and it has helped me um tremendously in my health and my Mm well-being and my daily life and so on and uh, that's one of the reasons i actually started teaching because i thought wow this thing does so much incredible uh yeah it's so much incredible uh things for me that the least I could do is share it. Um, Definitely, yeah. So, so yeah, that's why I started teaching and wanted to share some of the insights and the benefits that karate has given me personally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my doctor says his best. She says, so um, are you still training? I said, yep. She says, uh, how often do you train? I said, six days a week. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, uh, well... You know, with the condition you have, it shouldn't be like that. But, you know, you're healthy and everything she was normal here except for your blood count a little bit. 
So whatever you're doing, don't stop. That's what that that's her explanation. There's definitely got to be something from the karate trade because even uh, Funakoshi in one of his books was was saying that karate because he he wasn't uh, healthy as a child and it it kind of helped strengthen him and and his health. So there's somebody's got to do some reach, research here because there's it, it, and I think it's not necessarily the physical part. It's what you were saying about like the the karate spirit aspect of it. Maybe it's, it's the, like a chemical thing, right. In your brain. I, I don't know. But, but when, if we go back to the time you were saying that the karate helped you get through this infection, like, were you training physically or was it more like in your brain that you were fighting it off? So, uh, yes, it was a more, um, um, well, my, my mind got weak, but all the, you know, the, the pills and stuff I was taking, but, but um, I knew that this is what I have to, uh, because I felt it from the inside. Mm-hmm. And I felt, you know, okay, so I'm in bed and nothing I can do. Bring me some weights. <laughs> Bring me something. I want to strengthen my arms, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I'm, and I never once asked anyone help for going to the washroom or to have a shower. I would drag myself to the washroom or to the shower. You mean like literally drag myself in there, um, you know, do my thing. And it would be extremely painful getting off the bed. But this is what I wanted to do for myself and to build, to build the, the strength that karate has given to me, um, to build it. And, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you yielded to that, do you think you would have been worse off? Like instead of like fighting through, you would have just been, ah, stay in bed because you're in pain. Don't, don't go out of bed. Stay there. Like, do you think that would have made things worse for you? Um, that's where <laughs> the difference is in, 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 in the way I, I perceive things is I looked upon it like it was like I left my body and I, I looked down on myself and I said, huh, I think this is a test. If I pass this test, Maybe I'm going to move to the next level. You know, it's like a, mm-hmm. like a video game. To the next level, it's a, it's it's a, it's a, which which mm-hmm. way I would get I would get another life to live. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I got to make it to the next level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it I pushed myself and I pushed myself and I pushed myself uh, until I survived and I got to the next level. Mm-hmm. And it was like a new day. You know, I was like, wow. I have arrived and I will never look back and I will never complain and I will never whine again about, yeah. you know, little things in life. That's a uh, pretty amazing that you went. I had no idea that, that you had uh, like a, that's, that's a very significant event that, that could have gone either way. Right. Cause it's easy for your spirit to be broken. Definitely. In any situation happens, like even though you're well-trained, like if it happens, you could, it could break you. Anything could break you. Right. And that's fascinating. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I've seen people, you know, after many, many years of being strong and an event happens and they become broken. And once you get broken and you go down to that pit and you can't get out. Yeah. You really get out. So it's really important to, uh, you know, when these life struggles happen that mm-hmm. we remain strong, you know, like, you know, what's happening right now with, uh, with the virus, we mm-hmm. remain strong 
we try to keep uh, as normal as life as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when we come out on the other side, we'll be better for it. We'll have learned so many new things to mm-hmm. implement in our life moving forward. The next level. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, there's something really weird about karate or martial arts in particular about it and especially if you teach it in a in a structured way or uh, you know following the values that are important like even like the dojo kun values right Mm because it's about creating an environment where people come in the dojo and they don't feel like they're they're being judged by other people they can be themselves no one's going to laugh at them and if they if someone's laughing at them well they're going to get something their way right so people feel really safe to to just train do their best and without anybody you know mm-hmm. or being so conscious of what other people think right and also you know um my wife's friend in ukraine she developed a uh, special needs program in karate oh, yeah. and she 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 received a lot of recognition from like different media outlets actually because the there was one boy in particular that had down down right but if you looked at the way he moved it was like which which who who was who had the down syndrome here like you you couldn't tell like there's something about the training this is i don't know I, i can't put my finger on it like do you have experience like that yourself in teaching actually actually i do uh, quite a lot of experience and that has actually changed my way and my concept of uh, teaching and yeah. the way I, i present you know karate um And it's from teaching, you know, um, uh, people with special needs. And I've, it's because it's given me an insight into myself and the way I do things. Huh. So um, currently, I do teach a, a special needs adult group or once a month. Um, oh, now, wow. And no, I would actually go to the facility and teach there. And the, the welcome I would get when I get there is like, No, they don't call me sensei. They go, Will! Will! <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome, though. I know. Oh. I know. And, oh. um, but now um, I'm producing uh, videos for them on YouTube so that they can continue, you know, yeah. uh, doing the karate. Um, but I've also come across in, in, in my dojo, people have actually heard of my training and my teaching abilities uh, with kids and special needs. So they've actually sent kids to me with uh, um, for private classes. Mm-hmm. And um, two that, uh, that stands out in particular who are current students of mine. One, his uh, name is Shane. Uh, everyone knows Shane. Yes, <laughs> yes. You Google, yeah, you, you Google Shane on, uh, on YouTube, on, on, on Google, and And he's met, uh, he's like close friends with Robin Williams. And um, he's met Robert De Niro in person. And they worked on a film um, called Awakening. Uh, he was oh. one of the study cases in the film Awakening with Robert De Niro. And uh, uh, what's the other guy I just said? <laughs> uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Shane, uh, you know, when he came to me, he was, uh, one of the things, um, he really wanted to do karate because it's one of the things that's, that, that's actually stable in his life and gives yeah. him uh, a lot of uh, focus. When he does karate, he's so focused 
and mm. uh, Shane has Tourette's syndrome. Um, so it's, it's mostly movement, you know, oriented yeah. rather than vocal. So, but when he trains, his techniques are so powerful. It's unbelievable. No one wants to stand in front of his kicks because it's so powerful. Mm. Um, and so I trained him to black belt level, JKA black belt level, JKA standard. Yeah. And when he did the grading, no one batted an eye into, well, should he or shouldn't he? Everyone was like, yep. Yeah. Pass for sure. Um, another young person I work with is, um, his name is Malachi. I started working with him since he was 14 years old and, um, brought him up, uh, trained him for five years straight. I do private classes with him once a week and in the dojo. And he has, um, um, the, the, the most important thing and the difficult part is starting and understanding the concept of karate and what it is and how you're mm-hmm. supposed to do it and how to teach it. And teaching him is uh, eye-opening in the sense that um, everything has to be done in a positive way. There can be no negativity in teaching. It's like, okay, Malachi, uh, bend your knee a little more. Good. What's wrong with my knee? My knee is fine. Don't ask me to bend my knee. And so I have to find a way around that. Wow, guy, wow, those techniques are so good. You know, you know how you, you would you like to make it stronger? He says, oh, yeah, 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 yes, Sensei. He says, well, you see, if you bend your knee a little bit, yeah. Now, see how strong that is? He says, oh, yeah, like a black belt. And yeah. Would, so just the changing the idea of uh, interesting. Of, of how I say things and how I, how I go about it. And uh, just bend your knee. You know, for us, it's okay because we understand. Um, There's a cultural but, context to that too, though. Yes. Because yes, like in Japanese right. culture, people generally use negative yeah. reinforcement, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's how the, that's what fuels the motivation. But that's why I'm so fascinated by your adaptive teaching. Because... Uh, you know, obviously we're not in Japan, number one. And number two, if you really want to transmit the message, the best way is to be able to do it in a way where you can reach out to each individual person in their own unique way. Yes. Um, so my many years of training, I have, uh, I, the thing is, I don't see myself, I never wanted to be a teacher. And I don't <laughs> see myself as a, I never saw, see myself as a good teacher so I'm continually trying to find a better way to, to do it and always changing and restructuring. And the, the most important thing is uh, in teaching, I find, is communicating what you're trying to, 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 uh, to teach. Mm-hmm. So whatever means, uh, whatever form, uh, you know, I find, I use it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the four main ways of communicating or learning, which is a visual, uh, auditory, uh, reading and writing, and and kinesthetic, which is uh, movements. Yeah. So using, you know, one method sometimes, or using a combination of different methods, uh, or even using, um, you know, you go to a comedy club and someone cracks a joke and it's really funny, and you go home and you're laughing and you're telling it to other people and mm-hmm. it sticks out. And I thought, hey, I can use a little comedy in class. And something mm-hmm. that would 
that would be stimulating because they will remember it. So even even using that in class, uh, a bit of a comedy, and and they will actually remember, especially with the kids, uh, remember the lesson because it was funny. That's amazing. So using different ideas and different methods, and uh, you know, reverse psychology, and the, the, you know, um, okay. So you want the kids to produce kimi and strong techniques. And they're doing the regular stuff, and uh, you know, and it's just not getting there. But then, <laughs> but then you, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but then I use a reverse psychology and say, okay, we're gonna do jello karate now. What? What jello karate? What's jello karate? Because you know, pretend you're jello, <laughs> 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 which, is, which is a jello karate is completely opposite to kimi. In karate, so if they grasp the concept of jello karate, and they do the jello techniques and so on, and then okay, now let's do the complete opposite of that. Show me, like, show me that you that that's it. Not now it's it's strong karate, opposite of jello karate, and all of a sudden the light turns on, and you should see them move. It's like crazy and really powerful, really intense. Uh, for me, it's 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 a method to get the message across. And the yeah. thing is, if they feel the intensity that they can produce once, then it's easy for them to feel it the second time. Then get yeah. it good. But if they can't feel the intensity of the techniques that you want them to produce, then they would have no idea, no concept of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Where did where did that come from though? Your ability to, to take things from different, like for example, comedy. You took that from after going to a comedy club. Like where do you where did you get this sponge like skill? Um, well, like I said before, my karate never stops. It's constant. No matter what I do, it's all karate, 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 learning, learning, learning. And uh, for me, it's twenty four hours. Um, and but. The main concept of uh, learning and teaching is when I was in school, I had difficulty learning and I couldn't mm. figure it out. I couldn't figure out why I had difficulty learning and the other student had, they were brilliant and I, I just couldn't get it. And then, uh, you know, I started karate and um, someone said to me one day, says, you know, if you were as good uh, in your school as your karate, you know, your school would do really well. And I didn't realize it then, but my karate was doing really, really well. I was excelling so fast and I couldn't understand why. So I took some time and, uh, you know, tried to understand okay, what it is I'm doing karate that's, that, that makes me excel and not excel at academics. And then I began learning about different ways of learning, and uh, you know, the visual and video, uh, auditory and kinesthetics and so on. Mm-hmm. And I, then I, uh, okay, so then the light went off, um, and I started applying my karate skills to my academic skills and my school skills. So I took my karate and put it in class. So the way I would learn in karate. I took those visual and, and kinesthetic ways and I moved it to my classroom 
and I adapted it to my to the way the teacher was trying to get the message across. Mm. So it was kind of like a translator. Um, the teacher was teaching the, the the course, but I couldn't get it until I had a translator, which is my karate skills, to translate it into something I would understand. So, so what kind of learner are you? I am more kinesthetic and visual. Okay, so that's uh, probably why karate was more. It, you kind of were able to internalize it quicker than. Yes, like a lecture. So I started. Yeah, I started visualizing everything that was being said to me. Now it took a little time to visualize these things, but um, if I'm reading or uh, you know writing, I have to visualize everything and make it into something. Uh, uh, well, uh, kind of tangible, but intangible within myself so i can mm -hmm. grasp the concept of it yeah um so everything i was learning i had to do that that was my internal translator mm -hmm. that's interesting do you do you find that a lot of the the kids or the youth that you're training they're excelling academically because of karate training or or i i personally don't know actually to be honest i don't i don't know if the kids are doing better at school or not maybe mm -hmm. i should look into that but um, it's a, uh, well, I can give you some, um, feedback from some of the parents and, um, one, <laughs> I remember this one parent, she was telling me, she said, Sensei, you know, I have to tell you this. So uh, her son was, uh, um, only seven year old, he's seven years old and he was attending my class for six months yeah. and they had brought him to class because his attention span was, you know, going here and there and everywhere. And after only being six months in class. Um, she said, Sensei, says, this, this event happened in school and the teacher, uh, had to mention it to me. She says, I was teaching and, uh, you know, uh, this, all the kids were uh, doing different things and playing and doing other things. But this one boy was just sitting like this and looking up at the blackboard and, and paying attention. And she couldn't understand why this one person in class would, what is doing this. <laughs> and, and and she said, you know, when when the teacher mentioned it to her, she says, that's exactly what sensei have them do in class. <laughs> like when he's teaching, he says, pay attention. Don't fool around. Sit properly. Even if you're not doing the stuff, what the other people are doing is teaching you. So pay attention to what everyone is doing and you'll learn something. Yeah. And that, that's just one example. There's so many examples, but uh, I mean, that one, it's it, really... It, it, it's fascinating. Like, just, just, to, just to give you, I guess, an example for, in, for some of the parallels, I think the, a, a mentality you develop in training is, let's say, well, okay, right now we're going to do X amount of repetitions of a certain technique, right? And then the reaction, the first reaction is, oh... Uh, Right. That in itself is already submitting to defeat. Right. So when you hear we're mm -hmm. going to do X amount of repetitions and the reaction you get is, OK, we're going to do it. That kind mm -hmm. of mentality translates to work. Right. Mm -hmm. In the office or, or wherever you're at. OK, we have X amount of clients to call. OK, let's get through these clients. Let's let's, you know, let's work hard or I don't want to do that. I want to take a day off. I want to take a sick day. You know, like that, that mentality, you, you do learn that at school, at karate in a traditional environment anyways. In, I guess in anywhere where it's 
where the coaches are or instructors are very caring about their their students, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, like an example in class when uh, you know when when students are in class and I'm teaching, especially the kids, um, and uh, a new student, you know, he's not paying attention. So I'll say to him, "Hey, ten push-ups," and then he'll start whining, and the other kids who are more experienced will look at him and say, no, 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 don't, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> Sensei will double it. Because <laughs> 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 they all know it. So if I say, do 10 push-ups to one of the more, uh, you know, uh, uh, senior kids in class, yeah. more experienced kids, they would say, they would, you know what they would say? They would say, thank you, Sensei, for giving me 10 push-ups. I'd say, you're, you're welcome. And, and another student with an experience of this was, ah, oh, 10 push-ups. And I said, you don't like 10. How about 20? Oh, is that how you do it? Look what that's... that's how I do it. You don't like 10? How about how 20? How about 20? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, definitely. Uh, adults, it's not... Well, I shouldn't say adults is not as bad, but definitely for kids and youth, when when there's a new person that comes in, there's definitely like an orientation. Yeah, yeah. you can tell there's there's a lot of, uh, but but it's if you care about that environment, people will decide fairly quickly whether they want to to dedicate to this or not, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're doing it for the sake of the other members. Right, you're trying to to maintain that haven, that training haven, where they can go there and just focus on themselves. And if you have someone coming in and being a huge distraction, or or laughing at other people, or gossiping at other people, that's that to me is is unacceptable because it's a haven. Like there's enough negativity as it is in the world, right? And like let's at least have a dojo where we're free of that, right? But. It's, yeah, it's a, yes. like you said, it's a daily challenge. Yeah, we, we should be very supportive to our members and to our people. And, you know, um, I, I really strongly encourage, um, you know, if someone, you know, one of my students is, is, is having you know, some issues or, or something like that and they talk to me about it. Um, I like when they talk to me about it because uh, mm. if there's something I can do or one of my students can do to, to help or to assist, that's what the dojo is for. Exactly. That's what for. Exactly. So when when you heard about this whole pandemic hitting right away, did you have any negative thoughts about uh, or did you did you just say okay, I'm gonna like you know go through this? Yeah, um, looking ahead, uh, looking back, and looking ahead, uh, yeah, I have to decide on how it's going to affect the business and. But it's not just my business; it's affecting many other people's businesses. So, um, if someone, you know, the parents can afford to have the kids come to class, that affects my business, my survival as well. So, we all have to try and work together as best as we can to, uh, you know, to to make this work or to work around this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's another obstacle in in life that we have to we can't fight it, but we have to. Uh, find a way around it. Mm-hmm. What makes somebody yield to that pressure and not push through? Because I think at some point when, when, when something difficult happens, we, we all kind of second guess ourselves. I think it's, that's normal. Right. But like what, 
what are some contributing factors to not pers- pushing through these difficult times? Um, well, I mean, I can only I can give you my opinion and and, and my personal experience is that uh, we have to believe in something in life, you know, for ourselves or for others and so on, and we have to have an end game for ourselves, something uh, um, like a treat at the end. You know, like a dessert at the end of the, the meal that we look mm-hmm. forward to, or uh, an incentive to work towards. And if I find, uh, I use it as a strategy as well in teaching. If there is no incentive, why, what's the point? What's the mm-hmm. point in doing it? Um, for me, the incentive is uh, the way I look at life and karate. When even when I was younger, it, it's, there's so much to learn. I want to learn as much as I can. And during this time, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be good times and bad times. But what am I going to do when, if we don't prepare for the bad times and psychologically, then when it happens, we just break down. Mm-hmm. But if we prepare for this, the, the bad times uh, psychologically, when it happens, you know, it's like training hard in the dojo. Uh, the old saying, cry in the dojo, laugh on the battlefield. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> when the bad time sits, you go, "Hey, this isn't so bad. I can survive this." And um, you know, those people who have gone through gradings and be really nervous and so on, and they've come out on top. That's one of the the purpose and the reason for the grading and, and for for getting involved and for training hard mm-hmm. because you know that this is this is going to be tough and. But if I really work hard at it and I, I don't give up, I can accomplish something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, That's what, yeah, definitely some of the lessons that you, that kids could learn through the Q, the Q gradings, right? Like when they go for their belt grading, it, they can learn this resiliency if they don't pass. I mean, it's, no one's failing someone just it's no fun to fail anybody period but i mean if they if they are not ready and and they don't pass it's it's definitely a, a i think it's a extremely positive learning opportunity because it, 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 yeah it's not going to affect them like on a on a professional level anyway right it's not going to affect their possibility of going to university or college or or their careers it's 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 a safe place to fail, right? Um, it's a, yeah, it, it is. And, and it's, I mean, um, the instructor, you know, this is just my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. if we, we, you know, um, I explained to them, I so, said, you know, you're going to work hard and, you know, there's a good possibility of you passing. This is great. But I cannot predict the future. If, what, 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 what so what are you going to do if you don't pass? You know? And I help them to think ahead this way because, so are you going to give up? What are you going to do? Um, you want to continue training and, you know, and eventually you'll pass and you'll be happy. But if you give up, well, that's, that's, that's failing. That's what I say feeling when you give up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you continue, well, you've learned something and it's going to, it's going to be with you for your entire life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Hundred percent. I find well, if I'm not mistaken, right now in schools, kids can't fail classes, right? In Canada, can they? Like they, they there is no such thing as failing a grade anymore, right? 
I I I I I can't say I wasn't uh, I didn't go to school in Canada, so I really. <laughs> <laughs> but if if I'm not mistaken, right now, like kids cannot fail a grade, even if they oh. totally bomb it. I think they they can't fail. Isn't that a problem if if people don't learn accountability? Mm-hmm. To some extent, like what is that type of what is that going to breed in the future? Right? Yeah, yeah. In, in a way, the dojo might be the only place that they will learn what it means to earn something. Maybe yes. to some extent. Yes. Yes. Uh, don't be afraid of a little bit of hard work. You know, I always tell the kids, if I can do it you can do it because <laughs> you don't know what I've been through and I can do it. And you know, you know, your parents that treat you so nice at home and give you three meals a day and snacks and treat you so nice and yeah. you should be happy. And, and you better go and give your, your parents a big hug right now. Yeah. You know, I'm, sometimes in class, I actually do that. They go, you know, make them appreciate what they have because, uh, um, many people don't have. Exactly. So, yeah, appreciate what you have. And I actually make them. I said, so um, they do all this stuff for you and you scream at them when you go home. I said, no, 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 that's not the way. You give them a big hug. You go right now, give them a big hug. <laughs> mm. And say, thank you for making me breakfast. Yeah. Almost like a school of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But, uh, uh, it's not just to learn, uh, you know, uh, uh, kicking and punching. Yeah. I tell them that you learn how to bow properly. Mm-hmm. Bowing has, has a huge meaning in, in karate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, I used to do these uh, baseball winter camps, and and the coach would would expect us to uh, to have the parents write him a letter before each training about the chores that we did during the week. Mm-hmm. Right. And they had to write an honest account. So then he would read like these letters out loud in front of everybody. <laughs> so if somebody didn't do anything, well, you know, they didn't, they obviously wouldn't have much on their paper. Right. Yeah. So I guess even like in a sporting environment, you could create that sense of like appreciation for those family values too. Right. You know, um, when uh, kids or adults work hard, and we tell them, you know, if you you, will, you should work harder and do this and do that. But also, when we should also show our appreciation when they they do things well and do things right and say, hey, you know, that's really good. You did such a really good job, and uh, we we need this. We need mm-hmm. to know the things that need to build us, but we also need to know that when we're working hard and we're making an effort, mm-hmm. that is being appreciated. Is there? And, is there some some examples of things you do at the dojo, um, whether it's like an award ceremony to show appreciation, like or or little activities? Like, what are what are some examples of of things you do to show appreciation? Uh, so, well, I tend to do it more uh, on the fly in in uh, in um, in class a, a lot, and I, mm-hmm. I have different strategies. Um, so, one of the things uh, you know, incentives is a, a really great thing. Um, but I buy treats for the kids. And it's really, really simple stuff. Trust me. It's really simple stuff like gummy bears <laughs> or, or gummy worms. 
<laughs> and um, after class, it's a huge, it's it's a it's a big thing for them to 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 hand out, hand out the treats. And some kids actually go as far as actually bringing treats for the other kids in class. Um, wow. So they they supporting each other. And uh, I when if someone um, brings treats, I will make sure and say to her, "Hey, hey, class, guess what? Uh, you know, Nathan just bought you treats for today, and and I want you all to say thank you to Nathan for bringing treats." Um, so, which is, is he did something very good for the class, and you know, I'm selfless. So, I made sure that he's he's he um, feels appreciated. But also that the other kids know that's important to give their appreciation. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's, it's it, very simple things like that. It's, it's amazing how much motivation candy is for kids, eh? When they're training, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Yulia uh, right now is like she's in charge of the kids program, and the other day she she brought like a bag of treats for Halloween. But did this type of like obstacle, well, not just different activities, competition-based activities, right? And and the kids, they were, it's like they were competing in the Olympics. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's It's amazing. I I, I never, I never uh, believed in using this in class, but (laughs) I I tried different strategies and different ideas. And this is one of the the most unique and uh, successful one that i've used yeah 100 <laughs> percent. um you know believe it or not we're actually approaching the one hour and a half mark wow. yeah yeah so i'll ask you um one more question so is there anything in particular you're looking forward in the future karate related yeah yeah i am a lot because there's still so much to learn in karate and so much for me to learn. This, the thing is, when I started my quest on learning, you know, um, I wanted to learn. Uh, I'm very highly quite inquiry mind, inquisitive mind. So I wanted to learn uh, you know, why are people in karate able to break bricks and boards and jump so high and do things and, and fight like, like a tiger? Why? Why? What makes it so special? Um, and this has been, you know, my quest for a long time. You know, not just that, but what seems like people in the martial arts can do impossible feats, like incredible things. Why is this possible? And I'm still on the quest for this. Um, and even in my daily life and my, my training, you know, um, some people have had, they've asked me, said, why do you still do tournament? You know, you should retire now. And because I've been doing tournaments for 36 years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 36 years. And I said, I'm not doing it for you or for winning a medal. I'm doing it for myself because I'm trying to understand, you know, what it is I can accomplish. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the more I do it, the more I learn and the more technical, you know, uh, the more people I, I meet, mm-hmm. the more... I absorb, but also the more I discover about myself and, and everyone else, but more about the self-discovery. So I wanted to do something that uh, is almost impossible to do, that is very unique, 
to demonstrate some of the things I've accomplished. So um, I don't know if you heard of this or what I've done is uh, uh, I wanted to develop the uh, ability to do something unique. So I developed the strength in my neck, my neck muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do exercise in a class where I put, you know, the belt around my neck and I pull five kids across the floor and they're pulling as hard as they can. So I really developed the uh, learn to move my energy to my neck and develop it and make it strong. Even guys twice my size trying to choke me from the front, uh, they can't do it because I have developed my muscles in the neck and the ability to breathe you know, at the same time. Hmm. So I wanted to do a stunt in public that would demonstrate this. And uh, I decided to, um, there's a festival on the street, just outside a dojo, an auto festival. And there were lots of cars and so on. I thought, hey, what if I put a belt around my neck, tie it to a car and pull it 100 feet? <laughs> 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 I want to, um, uh, so I approached the, the, you know, the, the business association was in charge of this. And when I told them my idea, because they always ask me to do demonstrations in the park and so on, I said, this is my idea. Um, you think you're going to allow me to do it? He said, really, you want to do that? And you're going to, well, uh, let's talk to a counselor about this first. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want you snapping your neck. No. <laughs> and then they came back with requirements. You know, you have to have medics there and you got to get insurance for the, the uh-huh. thing when you're doing this. And um, because it's a public street and it's so a lot of requirements and I fulfilled all the requirements. Um, now, this is something I've never done before. So, but I was confident that I could do it without the training that I've done. And for the first time, you know, I, I surveyed the streets the night before and make sure I have the correct angle. Because I don't want it flat. I wanted it a slight incline so no one can say I'm cheating. Mm. And, uh, I had the stunt, um, did the stunt on that morning and during the festival. And people were like, look at this guy pulling a, a 3,000 pound vehicle with a, a belt around his neck. And I was like, you know, and did it for over 50 feet. So, um, anyways, it's posted on YouTube and they can check it out on YouTube. Uh, and uh, it's another way of me uh, developing my karate for myself. It's not for everyone else, it's just for myself. And discovering the strength that uh, human beings have and the things we can do and, and accomplish and overcome obstacles. Wow, so, you're, you're going to have to send me the link. I will. Yeah, yeah, I got to see that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's... that's uh... Oh, so you are you did the stunt then? You got approved and everything. I got approved. This was um, uh, in 2018. I did it oh, for the first oh, time. Oh, geez. yeah. And for the <laughs> second time, they actually when they, when I finished, they were so impressed. The people were like, I "Can't believe you did this!" So they call me the uh, the human tow truck. That's what they call me now. <laughs> you <laughs> so should start a business. <laughs> so they're like, you don't need a tow truck. Call this guy. <laughs> yeah. You just start sprinting towards a car that stopped in the middle of the road. Okay, here you go. Get the belt. Hook it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. The, the it, funny thing about the stunt is I couldn't do it with my arms. 
Yeah. But I could do it with my neck because I would develop my neck muscles in such a way that it focused and I can connect to the floor, to the ground and move the vehicle. Yeah, actually, a lot of people strengthen their necks, I think, in boxing as well, because if they get hit in the face, it kind of strengthens their um, their chin, in a sense, or they, yeah. it gives them less likely to to get a concussion. I don't know. Don't no, don't quote me on that. I'm just saying that. <laughs> but but I know boxers train their neck a lot, actually. Yes. Um, uh, so uh, just a disclaimer, this is a very dangerous stunt, and your neck is actually very easy to snap when, you know, even yes. if someone's choking you. So don't I don't try it. I don't let, you know, I don't let anyone try. None of my students, I have to try this, this stuff. Yeah. Only do it unless your name is Wilfred Siratan. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, who lives in Toronto? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Actually, forget I said that because, uh, you know, who never knows who has your name, right? And then they may <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's pretty cool. Like we... We had everything. I can't believe it's already been an hour and a half. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think I'd be able to get anything out for like five minutes. I thought I'd be, uh, you know, um, stumped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you for making it so easy and for natural and still flowing, you know, and, uh, um, and uh, your insight and for sharing. And I, I feel honored that you have me on. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, right? Keep it nice and float. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right.